At Alice Lane, we understand the power of partnerships. Our goal is to help interior designers succeed with their clients, not just our own interior design teams, but everybody's. We love to warehouse. We're great at shipping. It's one of our superpowers. And if you happen to be local, we have the best muscles in the business. We've got guys that know how to hang art, that know how to position things that are used to us changing our mind. Um, So definitely tap into the power at Alice Lane of not only carrying great things, but being able to order things, claim things if they don't work out, and to be able to deliver them into your clients' homes. Even if you're an out-of-state member, we have amazing um, trade memberships. We have exclusive pricing for interior designers, home builders, developers, architectures, or architects, and stagers. We also offer 25% off the J. Bennett Collection with 20% off all product, spanning over 150 vendors with no minimum spend. You can apply today at alicelanehome.com. We would love to be able to serve you. Welcome to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Alice. I think we're like sweat quite a bit into it, but it's been a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It feels good. I'm really hopeful and excited for our 2023. How about you guys? I am too. I feel very like, I don't know, inspired, rejuvenated. 2022 kind of like, it's a blur. Yeah. I don't exactly know what happened there. Yeah. I'm ready for a fresh start. Yeah. Me too. This podcast. I'm so juiced up and rejuvenated. Oh, for sure. For those of us that are, or for those of you that are just joining us on Dear Alice, um, we have Suzanne Hall. Hi, I'm Suzanne Hall. And Suzanne, um, what do you do in your real life when you're not recording a podcast? I, hmm, I have three boys, three very, very active boys, all under the age of seven. And I'm just running after them, picking up toys, trying to clean my house, make it a little bit nicer than it was before. It's a happy mess. I like it. So, and what do you do for work? I am the VP of design. And so I run a team of designers on all of our new builds at ALID. Um, so tune in. If you're not on, like if you haven't followed us on Instagram, please follow along yes. um, while we take you through some really, really fun spaces and really fascinating people um, that we get to design for from the very, very get go. And we have a lot of fun jobs coming up. And anyway, this year is going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be really good. And we have a lot of really fantastic designers on our team. So I feel super lucky. Yeah. That Instagram handle is at Alice Lane interior design. Mm-hmm. And that shows the interior design side of the business. And, um, and then we also have Alice Lane home. What's you that? Want to follow that. That is our, um, we have a retail store here in Salt Lake city, Utah. And we also have an awesome online store. And, um, I curate everything with our team, of uh, from just vendors all over the world to make, beautiful things available for people that want to purchase them that love a beautiful lifestyle, all different price points, um, not intimidating at all, but we just wanted to put a shop on the earth that, you know, was offering different things than what you see everywhere else. So we kind of specialize in transitional, but after doing all these design projects for all the years with Suzanne, um, we've been at it for 15 years this year. Crazy. We just, we just wanted to give a different offering. So we're definitely not a me too store, but we do know what clients want because we design homes and, um, we just wanted to make all that stuff available for purchase for those of you that maybe don't need an interior designer, but still want a beautiful lifestyle. So that's Alice Lane Home. Um, the website will show up, but also the Instagram handle shows the goings on at the retail store and um, just like the beautiful things and yeah, behind the scenes, that sort of thing. So that's at Alice Lane Home. And I'm the owner, Jess Bennett of Alice Lane and um, Alice Lane Interiors. And then we've got Corey Place. Hey, how's tell, it going? Tell us Corey. about what you do for Alice Lane. Oh. Um, I honestly, I forgot my job title for a second, but it's VP of product development, um, and special projects. So the special projects is like kind of anything that doesn't fall inside of a, uh, a department. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, I design, help design furniture with Jess and get it manufactured. Uh, it's super fun. I, I feel like my life is, I'm always doing little projects and it's, I'm like the gas pedal behind like fun art projects. So whether that's like, you know, helping design, product or I also play in a band. So I kind of, I'm the gas pedal in that, or like I do 
you know, con some construction stuff like on the side building cabinets and mm -hmm. I more just do that for like family and friends because I don't have time for that like professionally, but I just love having- utilize that talent of yours. What was that? I haven't utilized that talent of yours. Yeah, your you friend. haven't. Yeah. Gosh. Corey's like, um, how it's made. I know. You know that show, how it's made. <laughs> Corey's like how Alice Lane is made. <laughs> like hilarious. he makes everything behind the scenes and he fixes things and he tells us why something's broken and he gets it fixed. And he, um, like Olivia Pope. Yeah. Handles it. And he finds an answer for everything. Yeah. So you're like, Corey, I need an answer for this. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. You know, my new year's resolution is to be able to talk about the projects and promote myself and what mm -hmm. I'm doing more mm -hmm. and not, not feel like bashful about it. Cause I've always, mm -hmm. I've always been like that. And I think that's been like my biggest hindrance mm -hmm. to myself. So thank you for that. I'm going to catalog that. And mm -hmm. that's how I'm going to yeah. describe myself from there here you on go. out. I love it. So Corey produces a podcast and fun fact, he produced the little and did the little ditty at the beginning and the end of Dear Alice. Yep. Tap that toe too, I imagine. That's mm -hmm. his band and his skills. And he made that happen for us. Yep. So, and so, so many other things. Um, now getting into it. Today's topic is design through the decades. This is something we've had on the list to do for a very long time. And I kept saying, oh guys, this is gonna be like finals week. We've really got to dig into this. And um, there's so much to talk about because um, we've just seen so many things come and go through the ages. We've seen like our parents remember certain things that we don't. I remember my mom when I was in high school, which was in the nineties and plaid was really big. My mom was like, oh, plaid. I cannot wear plaid again. I've already done it once in high school, you know, mm -hmm. and now we, now we're seeing plaid right now again. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so, and I don't think my mom can still wear plaid because she did it in high school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we're seeing these trends. I mean, everybody at this table are seeing these trends. If you yeah. guys don't mind saying your ages just for fun. So yeah, you guys kind of have a barometer of I, how I, long we've lived and what we've experienced so far. I'm 35. Nice. I'm 39, almost 40. Oh yeah, that's right. It's crazy. Yeah. No, and I'm I look 40. so much younger. You do. <laughs> Thanks. You, so Thanks do. For you yeah. do. And I'm 47. Um, so I graduated in 1993. Okay. And so you can kind of picture the fashions then. And when did you graduate high school? 2001. 2005. 2005. Okay. Yeah. So you can kind of get an idea of like how long we've been on earth, what was trending, what's come around. Cause it's come around again. Yep. And then, you know, how long you've been on earth listening and you've seen these things come around maybe more than once. So anyway, we're going to talk about each of the decades, kind of the things that influenced them to be um, in fashion at the time. We're going to do this for fashion uh, interiors. And then Corey's also going to throw in some things about music that happened. And then that how time. that also relates to fashion or interiors. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So design through the decades um, yeah. is what we're doing. And your grandparents, of course, would have been alive for one of these decades. So you might even be thinking of them at a certain time when we're talking about it and remembering grandma's house and what that was like and everything else. So I think it's going to be really fun. Our main focus was just interiors and like, how did we get here? What influenced that? And we, of course, know that fashion, you know, influences interior design and just kind of what's trending. It just is all really connected in some way. And oddly enough, music connects in with it too. So, yeah. 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 And honestly, all the arts. And then like, as we were kind of dissecting this and like what, what's happening in interiors, like in the twenties, obviously we know it's art deco, but why was it? And what was it before? And what made it art deco? Mm -hmm. What inspired that? So I think you'll see a lot of these things are a result of the previous generation, either in opposition to it or a lean into it in a deeper way if it was successful. So like its own spin. Yeah, on, exactly. Yeah, what happened before. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to say, as we go through all of these, um, just like right now, there's lots of different styles that are currently on the trajectory, even though there might be one dominant style. Mm -hmm. So even though we're kind of diving into what was the predominant style that we were studying in, in school. And when you like research this, um, but just know that like at the same time of this style, there was also Queen Anne. So we're not going to get every single hit on everything that was happening. Cause we would be here all day long, Yeah, but we're going to do highlights of what was, what was the biggest influence mm -hmm. in those decades. And we're not historians, but we're curious mm -hmm. and we're designers. And we, it's been really, really fascinating to, I don't know, to dive into each of these decades to really understand the history. Mm -hmm. So not only like, we'll give you a brief, a brief history of what was happening in the world 
then we'll go into, I think like fashion and then interiors and then music and how all those arts Mm -hmm. are a result of what was happening in the world. And then also think we'll kind of, we'll bring it up to the twenties, which we're we're in the two thousands. We're in that right now. If you're listening to this, you've lived through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You've lived through any like a couple different recessions. And so all those things are a product of how you're living now. And so it'll be it'll be interesting as you live on this earth how your how your space and your environment and what you put on your body will will produce for the next generations. You know what I mean? So through all this, I think the thing that is the most important to remember is that you are an influence for the future. That mm-hmm. sounds really cheesy. That just came out of my mouth, but it's completely true Yeah, that what you put out on the earth, it stays and it gets remembered. And so I think just cumulatively be more artistic, be more genuine. That's what I've learned throughout all this research. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start out with a little quote from a graphic designer named Ellen Lupton. She said, design is an art of situations. Designers respond to a need, a problem, a circumstance that arises in the world. The best work is produced in relation to interesting situations, an open-minded client, a good cause or great content. Mm. We thought that this was a really good point to make because as we design, it's usually a result of, of somebody's situation, be it their home, be it their, their, you know, they have a child with special needs. They have, you know, whatever it is personally or worldwide, that's how we design. And so we thought that that was like a good Good way to start this off. And so with that, we're going to hop into the 1910s, guys. Yay. Most people kind of just jump to the 20s because that's when you're like, it's Art Deco and that's so hot. Let's talk about that. The Great Gatsby. I know, exactly. (laughs) I love it. But what happened before the 20s? The 10s. So we're going to start there, um, which was really interesting. The 1910s was a decade um, that began at a time of peace and prosperity. America found itself as the richest nation in the world, thanks largely to the growth of huge companies that sold goods all over the world. Um, but then we entered world war one, which America was trying to avoid for a long time, but we entered world war one and that's when it began to decline. And that's where our story begins. Um, and world war one, just a reminder, it went from July 28th, 1914 till November 11th, 1918. So right, you know, like mid almost late before we hit the twenties Yeah, was world war one where we were 20 million deaths, 21 million wounded, you know, so Things like that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's big. That's bigger than World War II death counts as we know. Well, actually we don't know an exact death count for World War II because they didn't provide good statistics. Thanks Hitler. But, um, but you can see that like America was, and and I feel like this is a cycle, right? Things are going good. And then shit hits the fan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shit hit the fan in World War I. And that's when things start to, and it's always traumatic, right? Like, um, bringing it to our day, sorry, but like 2008, right. We just completely see the economy slide off the cliff. And right before then was like this heyday and everybody was building houses and owned multiple homes. And do you know what I mean? We're really, really doing the very opposite thing. And then all of a sudden economy hits and changes everything. Mm -hmm. And then you don't even know how to live. Cause like, you're upside down. The carpet got ripped out from under you. You know what I mean? And it's just like a complete devastation to the joy and everything else. So um, really, really, really sad. Um, I'll talk about fashion in the 1910s. Uh, this era was really the beginning of modern fashion as we know it. The concept of the natural figure became the driving force behind design, which was that women weren't wearing um, corsets. corsets anymore and they were celebrating their own figures. Hallelujah. Isn't that interesting? I would have thought that would have been after the 1950s. Well, and I think, well, I think we, it we kind probably, of like reverted back yeah, a little like, bit and then, yeah. And then yeah. now we're in the cycle now of we like have skims. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're still yeah. trying to manipulate our bodies. But yeah. I think it also like, as you come into the 20th century, it becomes, it becomes more relaxed. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm. And it becomes more individualistic and more things are available totally. instead of just that one, that one option right. is available for all women and all men. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it's continued in fashion ever since the concept of the natural figure, embracing the concept of the natural figure, fashion moved away from distorting the female shape and stance and went more into practical design approach. So super fun because I think women be able to do more self-expression 
and they didn't have to care so much that they didn't look exactly like the other. Yeah. Somehow we have influencers right now, and I think somehow links, <laughs> yeah. and people are purchasing the exact same thing as her. So hopefully that's not undoing all of this hard work, but hopefully continue to still be an individual. Yeah. I would say not just in fashion, but also in your interiors. Yeah, and just be thoughtful. Be mm -hmm. the artistic influence. You know what I mean? Say um, it again, Sue. Be the artistic influence. Like, don't just have it be because so-and-so had it and it was an easy link and you threw it in your cart and you bought it. Yeah. Like really have a like reason why you did it. Be intentional mm -hmm. about what you're putting on yourself on the earth. Like yeah. your home is an edifice, you guys. Like it's an actual, like mm -hmm. it's a thing. And I know that we can always change things, but a lot of people don't. And they take their builder's word for it, you know, mm -hmm. which might not have a lot of artistry, you know, backing it up. Mm -hmm. When so, it feels wrong, it always is. And you know how many times, like even building my house, I was like, you know what? I just let them like take care of it. I'm a very controlling person. Don't. Yeah. So I tried, was like, okay, don't be controlling. They'll let them do their job. And I had this feeling, it was like, oh man, that like feels wrong. And I didn't listen to myself. Mm -hmm. And now there's things that I'm just like, I wish I would have yeah. said something or did something, you know what I mean? And you kind of almost have to just get in a complete flip-flop and don't think about anything that's ordinary, mm -hmm. you know, completely think about like, where am I, what am I going to do? Like, what am I trying to like represent? Yeah. And that's what you, that's or what, like what makes me happiest and how do I represent that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I always think about that in music, like what things do I love and how can I like combine those and, you know, create something, mm -hmm. you know, that's the same thing like with interiors and I did that, you know, in, in my home and Yeah. And don't settle because it could be great. Did you know that 35% of adults report experiencing poor sleep quality? Let me put you onto something that is going to transform your sleep. Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating people. This is huge. If you and your spouse do not sleep at the same temperature, which most people don't, I'm freezing, my husband's hot. This is a massive benefit and breakthrough for us when we started sleeping on Cozy Earth. You can both sleep on the same mattress with the same sheets and be completely comfortable. They also have a 100-night sleep trial guarantee and a 10-year warranty, which I don't know of anybody that does this. They're that confident in the product, and so am I. When I first touched Cozy Earth products, I could not believe the soft hand on it. It also almost has like a cool feel to your hand. To your um, hand, it's like slippery dolphin. Like your feet swishing around is so so addictive. I can't sleep with anything but cozy earth sheets. I'm obsessed. Um, also, you need to treat yourself to the ultimate comfort with cozy earth. I love the sleepwear. I love the sweats, and the bedding is amazing. You can prioritize your self care sleep health if you just head over to cozyearth.com and use the promo code dear alice for an exclusive 35 percent off you guys we don't have to wait for a sale you can use this anytime again the code is dear alice for an exclusive 35 percent off better sleep awaits you with cozy earth totally so i think and right now we're looking like there, we have images that we're staring at for each of these decades that mm -hmm. we'll be sharing like via social media and things so that you guys can see kind of like the decades like as they progress. Um, but as we're like looking at this fashion stuff, you can see that it, it is a little bit more expressive. Mm -hmm. You don't just have like dresses and things that are like kind of coming at the waistline, but it feels like a little bit more drapier. Yeah. Like you're still going like There's to the different ankle silhouettes versus and going like you, you will raise when we get into the twenties. Yeah. And we'll go shorter. Everything's still very modest. Um, yeah. but it was the figure itself, I think. Mm -hmm more than the individual attributes where, you know, today there's like cleavage and there's waist and there's legs and you got to figure out which one you want to show off, but please don't ever try and do two at the same time. Leg salad and a boob salad or, or, or three times. Yeah. You, we don't, we don't <laughs> want your cleavage and your legs. No. Give us one or the other, you know, I think that's sort of the, a lip salad or an eye salad. Don't do both. Yeah. You on like your a, face. Yeah. 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 So I think like still be classy about it, which these women were still really, really classy. Um, Isn't it fun? Like, let's just put a quick plug in for just like vintage clothing. Yes. Really fast. When you look at these, like, again, they're so thoughtful. They're so tailored. If we, there's this, if you're in Utah and go to salt, live in, near Salt Lake, you've may have heard of decades. Jess and I love decades. We love it. Because like when you go in, like you just like start to feel a fabric that feels different. Mm -hmm. It feels, I don't know, you look at the tags and they're all beautiful. Yes. And they're quilted on there mm -hmm. and they're. Anyway, and there's just, there was just such like a care 
Yeah. I love, I, I don't know, just an artistic mm-hmm. expression. I think that that's, we, we lose that with fast fashion. Yeah. For sure. So it's fun to look at all these images and be like, wow, that somebody drew that. You know what's fun? Took great care. I feel like television is doing a really good job of bringing some of this forward. There's, um, what's the show that's so hot on Netflix and the girls all go get the dresses made at the Modiste and oh, Bridgerton. Uh, yeah, Bridgerton. So yeah, so like there's those dresses where they're all getting made by the local dressmaker. And then- Silks are coming in. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's so fun to celebrate that with them. And then there's also a show that Adam and I just watched, which was called, um, I think it's The Invisible Thread. Mm. And it's about a tailor, Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. It's really beautiful. And I think he won the Oscar or something for his role in this. And he's a dressmaker. And um, we just really watched it over the weekend. And the invisible thread is like some sort of thing that happens to seamstresses Mm -hmm. that are making dresses. And even when they're not, they still feel like they're making the dress or something like they always feel like they're sewing something to that effect. But um, it's just so beautiful. And the way that they really work through the figure and they put a piece of fabric on the shoulder of the person they're making the dress for and they see what looks best on their skin color and their eyes. And you know what I mean? Like it was a real art, like they were creating a painting or a sculpture for this individual person for their figure. Mm -hmm. Right. Thank goodness in the 1910s, they didn't have to manipulate the figures and they just got to celebrate the natural beauty of being a woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's lovely, I guess, television that shows the art of making uh, fashion back then. Yeah. We're really, as we we're kind of pulling like fashion images for women versus men, I tried to put stuff in for men. So I saw that. You could Thank have, you. Okay, you're very welcome. Anyway. And there is shifts mm. like there's little things. We lose a hat. We lose an undershirt. We mm. get a little, you know, mm-hmm. you know, prohibitions happening, get a little looser or whatever. But um, anyway, but it is really fun. I think still today, like women's clothing, there's just such an art form to it, mm. you know, just, we're a complicated figure to tailor for. So cheers. I think that that is why. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, there's still a lot of like decoration, I think in the fashion mm-hmm. in the 1910s. And we, and we feel that in the interiors as well. Um, the actual style of the 1910s, I still think was the arts and crafts movement. Um, this favored artisan works made from simple forms, which influenced from romantic or folk styles of decoration. Um, this movie you hear about a lot, like in Europe, um, it influenced North America between like the 1880 and 1920. Um, and really it's the root of modern design. Mm-hmm. Um, the British expression to what later came to be called Art Nouveau movement, which is strongly also influenced, um, but it stood for traditional craftsmanship and often used medieval romantic or folk styles of decoration. It advocated economic and social reform and was anti-industrial in its or- ornamentation. So, a couple of things. If you've heard of like William Morris, if you're shopping for wallpapers right now, you've heard of William Morris, you've heard of Macintosh, you've heard of all these people and they were big people players in the arts and crafts movement. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you have this, this group of people and artists that want to like kind of screw industrial industrialization mm-hmm. and go back to something that was more handmade. And you, that's why you saw a lot of woods mm-hmm. and a lot of like craftsmanship there. You saw just a lot of just like we, we talk about entitled, like when there's like artistry movement, same yeah. kind of thing that inspired Art Nouveau, this like asymmetrical swoops mm-hmm. and things that were also an influence of this. Um, but then you also have like Frank Lloyd Wright, who like when I was researching him at the same time, he's the exact opposite as far as just like wanting to be very clean lined, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Which we have, I think we have today, somebody that wants to stand out or be individual to the trend that's happening. And contemporary is always, it's always there right now, but he might've been the first to really do it and do it well. Totally. totally. Because his wasn't quite as spare. You know what I mean? His was still made in beautiful craft and architecture. Oh, 100%. And it was completely influenced. This was back when like, especially the architect had like the whole pie. They Mm -hmm. had like the architecture, they had the interior design, they had the furniture. Um, so Frank Lloyd Wright, just quick on him, sought to design simpler, holistic houses that married site and structure. We obviously see this through his um, career. We'll talk about falling water later, later on, um, that famous structure, but um, both through the interiors and exteriors, his expression of what came to be called prairie style was in full flower by the time he completed the Roby House in Chicago in 1910. 1910. Yeah. So if you think of Frank Lloyd Wright, I sometimes think of him as the 50s. Yeah, I, I was yeah. like... 
Yeah. When I read that, I was like, wasn't it like mid-century, you know? He influenced it. Yeah. But that's how all these, like, it's really interesting to give yourself this history lesson because like Guggenheim was the 1930s, guys. That was built in the 1930s. Falling water. That was also built in the ninth, completed in the 1930s. So again, so as far as just like his masterworks, Mm. he was working, you know, through the late 1800s into the 1900s. But like, what, what a a pedigree, right? Yeah. For sure. But you do, you assume like mid-century is him, but it's actually started so much sooner. And that was in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. And that was between this arts and crafts and his prairie style that he developed, you know, amazing. So that's amazing. Quite remarkable. Yeah. But yeah. So that's 1910s. Let's move into the twenties. All right. Okay. We all have these big visuals of the twenties. This is very exciting. I'm super excited. It's the roaring twenties. Um, I'll just do a quick read was a period in American history of dramatic social, economic, and political change. For the first time, more Americans lived in cities than on farms. That's interesting. That is crazy. The nation's total wealth um, more than doubled between 1920 and 1929. So a very prosperous. That's crazy. Prosperous decade. And, and you feel that in the materials. Recovered from the war. Yeah. They've recovered from the war. They're back. And gross national product um, expanded by 40% from 22 to 29. The 1920s decade was an age of economic boom. Obviously we just read that with more people living in urban areas. Um, The glitzy glamour of the jazz age are remembered in iconic symbols like the Great Gatsby, Flapper Girls, and the Prohibition. Cars like the Model T Ford were instrumental in helping youngsters have a, the freedom to frequent jazz bands playing at dance halls. I love that description mm. because it also just like this freedom of music, mm-hmm. right? Not only are we like hitting it on like fashion changes, interiors change, like in a, in a huge a huge style that had like we're still pulling influence from today, right? Yeah. From the Art Deco realm, but like music. Yeah, know? I mean, that's... Got looser. Yeah. Then the, the crazy thing about the early 1900s, you know, like Jess spoke that kind of it's where like modern day interiors and, and fashion kind of was born. And then the 1920s is that's how that's when the modern day music business was born. Like record labels were created. Um, oh, cool. The gramophone was we were talking about this last night mm-hmm. over Polo, but that was when that was invented by Alexander Graham Bell. And that was like the first uh, one of the first machines to play music. So therefore it's rec- recorded music. And then people are like, Oh, we can like, you know, grab this and we can sell it to the masses finally. So like recording like record labels were being started in that whole, you, you know, that thing became an industry. So artists now, were born. Yes. Artists were born. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, some musicians have like their qualms about like, Oh, well people were just like packaging art and like selling it. It's like, well, I mean, they created a bigger pie for everyone to, you know, kind of eat from. So yeah, it's, I mean, this isn't that long ago. No, this is a hundred years ago. Cause we're 2020 now. Well, you know, 2022, 2023, I guess. But, um, I've, I think about my grandma, not my great grandma, just my grandma was born in 1919. Yeah. She's passed away now, but, um, she, I think she'd be, yeah, she'd be over a hundred now, but 1919. So this happened in 1920. This is this when she was a little girl. My grandma was alive, not my great grandma. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, like I, when Betty White like passed away, like, you know, I, she was born in like 1920, like one or something like that. I was like, that's so crazy. Like how much she's seen. Yeah. Just everything. Yeah. And, um, she saw all of this, everything we're going to start talking about now forward. mm -hmm. And, and she was like in the forefront of, of everything. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. I I feel like she was fashionable until the day she died, Yeah, you know? So awesome. Think about this too. I didn't mention this in the 1900s, but like, that's when like the Wright brothers first had their like first aircraft. Mm -hmm. It was the beginning of that. So aircraft was before the automobile. I think they were probably kind of, I guess guess this is the model T Ford in the 1920s, but there was other automobiles before the model T. I think there was a model A. I, I think that was, I think that mm-hmm. was a thing. I'm not a crazy huge car guy, been, yeah. but mm-hmm. I think that was like one of the yeah. first things. Okay. So. so automobiles and aircraft are born in the 1900s. Yeah. Like wild, you guys, this isn't that old. It's not that long ago. Crazy. Okay. Let's get into fashion. 20s fashion is remembered as um, for its glitz and glamour. 
though underlying this was a move towards simplicity in dress. It's so funny. I never think about the 20s as being simple. Mm -hmm. But for women, this meant shorter skirts, simpler shapes, while men enjoyed casual suits. I can picture that great Gatsby Mm -hmm. linen suit. Totally. He was wearing lighter colors, you know, and the development of a more convenient modern female wardrobe was a major trend of the 1920s and was achieved through the progressive simplification of dress at, um, as the decade advanced, a rejection of formality and multiple layers in favor for comfort and lighter, more natural effect. Can you guys imagine being a fashion designer at this moment and completely throwing everything total out? Total renaissance. You completely throw everything out. So exciting. Just being like, okay, women are finally like starting to get like some, mm-hmm. s- some rights here and there, you know, like let's, yeah. let's reshape her. Let's reshape how she looks, how she dresses. I yeah. think it's so, so cool for like, like those artists. They're like the seeing women's calves for the first time in their whole yes. life. Yeah. Other they're men, so not looking. their family members. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. So the head pieces, sort of the flouncy layers. I think that they could just dance in, right? They yeah. could get a lot of movement and looked pretty moving around. The music was good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I kind of hear all this. Oh, so gosh. fun. The colors, the fabrics. Just all the things that were expensive were in use. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The war is over. Mm-hmm. Pull out the silks and the feathers and the finery mm-hmm. and just like let it all out. Yeah. Do you remember, thir- do you guys ever watch Thoroughly Modern Movie? Yeah, totally. Okay, with like her beads, like not lying yes. straight. And just like, I don't know, just like how iconic just those things like needed to be, mm-hmm. you know, just anyway, I just think it's it's so fun to think about it in context like that. Um, but yeah, the flappers. Again, we're looking at a lot of images that you can't see right now, but... Just highly entertaining. The whole thing is just a visual feast and such a fun way to recover from the war and um, that sort of oppression that they felt at that time. And shape-wise, it was simpler, but as far as like the decoration, I think it also followed the interiors where we're starting to see more metals, more mirror, more glass, more, Mm -hmm. you know, just... More expensive materials. expensive materials. So I don't Mm -hmm. think they skimped at all since it was such an affluent generation, Mm -hmm. or sorry, decade. Um, yeah. But also when you think about 1920s, like the shapes in art deco, mm-hmm. they're like curved and curved is always harder to make than square. Oh yeah. It's you quite, know what I mean? It's quite a craft. So like yeah. a, a more difficult craftsmanship. Yep. So let's talk to you about interiors. Obviously everyone has like an idea of what art deco looks in your mind, um, but it's defined as the decorating style of 1920s that originated in France. During that time, France was globally influential in design, art, cinema, and more. The Art Deco visual style originated um, in France, like I said, and became, or became the first international design to create a global influence of design in buildings, fashion, furniture, and everything from ocean liners to vacuum cleaners. The essence of modern luxury, Art Deco combines a fine craftsmanship and rich materials as the essence of the decade, along with new optimism in technology advancements. Um, so you have like all this, the glitz and curves, but then you also, if you're familiar with like the Bauhaus school, mm-hmm. um, that's when Bauhaus was like beginning too. So um, in the 1920s, interior design was not all glitz and curves. Bauhaus, the German school of industrial design that decreed from um, form should follow function was also born in this era. Bauhaus designers wanted to create beautiful objects that could be mass produced and therefore available to all, not just the rich. Isn't that interesting? Like, mm-hmm. cause you think about these, these, I don't know these styles and it is, they were for the wealthy, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's the only ones that who could afford the research that could afford the actual piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was up to the wealthy to kind of push and push any movement forward mm-hmm. on for artists, you know, mm-hmm. but like now you're getting this generation of people that's just like, Hey, throw it all out. Let's try and like come up with something new. And that is modern design. Um, but they would use steel, glass, plywood, and plastic in their creations. Um, while unconventional materials at the time, they fit with the Bauhaus ethos and practicality. Ultimately, however, the 1920s were all about the bling. People craved a luxurious um, component in their lives, whether it was leather upholstered furniture or a lucite clock. Um, the jazz age was majority glamour and glitz. Um, I feel like everything in these lifestyles I'm looking at, like everything's a hero there. Yep. Yeah, more it's is like, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like yeah. the, um, mm-hmm. like the marble, like the brass, like, I think, is this like an entrance? That's not an elevator, right? That's like a, oh, probably. Well, no, that looks like an entrance to maybe a commercial building. Yeah. There. It's just, it's insane. Like all the, the wood species and yeah, yeah, all of that. And it's not chandeliers and the crystals. Crystal, and, yeah. yeah. The that fabrics was amazing. The 1920s was like the amount of success to double. 
That's incredible. That's but do you even see like one of the images that we're seeing, that is a Kelly Worcester wallpaper that she yeah, took from Art Deco. Totally. Completely. We see like these crystal chandeliers. We're specifying these from first dibs, mm-hmm. you know, cause they were just such All a great scale. Very fashionable. You know, cause they were right such now. big spaces, mm-hmm. but then you do see some like angular stuff too. You yeah. know, you have and I think Bauhaus is, is really lovely right now as well. Oh yeah. No, it's totally made a resurgence. But like, if you think about like Bauhaus, like Walter Gropius, he, he was the owner of the first Bauhaus and he had like people studying underneath him, like Ludwig Mies van der Rohe, who did the Barcelona chair. Mm-hmm. You don't think about, I don't think about the Barcelona chair being invented in the twenties. No. Again, you think it's, like the like it's the fifties. Yeah. But it had like a resurgence, but Marcel Brewer did the Wassily chair. Mm-hmm. So like all these art history frames that we studied, these were created in the twenties at the same time Art Deco was made. That's wild. That is crazy. And it's, it's interesting because you have like this group, all these different groups of people wanting different things, wanting to have something that's just like, Glitz, mm-hmm. glam, custom, mm-hmm. all those things. And then you want people that are embracing industrialization. Yeah. It's just like, how do we get more of this, of this modern style to the masses yeah. versus just the affluent? Yeah. So it's super fascinating just to like, think about all those trajectories. Yeah. So crazy thing about Bauhaus that it was closed in 1933. And then they all kind of dispersed, but they were closed down by the Nazi regime. Oh, that's so because sad. Because they were in Germany and they were kind of seen as like radical thinkers. Oh. Isn't that crazy? But we'll get into the 1930s. But yeah, I can it. say like, don't you think everything in this like little image gallery we're looking at from the Art Deco style from Bauhaus to the Glitz and Glam we're incorporating into our designs today. Mm-hmm. Like every single one of them. Yeah. So. What a great era for design. What a great era. Yeah. And for music and so much I cinemas. applaud them. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So good. 1920s. That's great. Okay. Right. Should we get into the 30s? Get into the 30s. So sad. It's so sad, guys. Great Depression. To fall. Yeah, the exact opposite. And just mm-hmm. like that, the nation plunged into the Great Depression. In 1929, the stock market crashed, the banking system collapsed, and the party ended. At the height of the Great Depression, nearly 25% of the total workforce was unemployed. Isn't that crazy? Factories were shut down, farms and homes were lost to foreclosure, and wages and productivity plunged to a third of their 1929 peak. Wow. So sad. The 1930s, it was the decade that was defined by this global economic and political crisis that eventually culminated into the Second World War. It saw the collapse of the international financial system, beginning with the Wall Street crash, um, which was the largest crash in American history, which is wild. So sad. So so probably it's going to be a, a decade of recovery. Well, not recovery, but like a, a shift, mm-hmm. you know, completely. of survival, a yeah. shift of survival. And probably of stuff like I imagined that they kept what they could from Art Deco. And I bet that obviously they lasted 20s, 30s. Art Deco survived, but just going to talk to us about fashion. And then we'll get into interiors. Yeah, this was a profound um The 1930s fashion saw a profound influence on films and specifically Hollywood. Men's, women's, and children's fashions were based on fashion seen on screen, like stars Clark Gable, Jean Harlow, Shirley Temple. I remember my mom and dad showing me Shirley Temple. Among the many who directly influenced fashion. That makes sense. We're still influenced by pop culture today. I know, but it's fun to think that like, that's when film was starting. Yeah. You know, you had silent film and then you have like these ones that are starting, like just that was a whole ultimate influencer. Yeah. And like, you can imagine when you're talking about just like the radio and like these, these music and like things to be able to listen to in your home. I imagine, I I remember my mom saying like, before they had a TV, they had a radio Mm -hmm. and they would just like gather around and they would listen to whatever they could, Yeah, you know, get on the old antenna. Uh And it's just, it's fun just to think how far we come. Yeah, it is. There was a return to conservatism after the roaring twenties, of course, because of the war and the stock market crash also marked fashion during this period, that conservatism. Um, that pendulum swinging the absolute opposite direction. The images of the cinema broke a pattern of fashion, which had prevailed for centuries, giving birth to the blue collar style leader. Um, With more exceptions, all previous fashion had been created by a social elite whose greatest claims were exclusivity and wealth. Now fashion um, has to uh, percolate up through the classes instead of down. 
Yeah, that is cool. Exciting to think that just women still aren't in blue jeans yet, ladies. We're no. still in dresses. Well, we did. Oh we no, did there go, are pants. Our hemline did. It looks like the sailor, the uh-huh. sailor pant, um, is come out in the 1930s. It looks That's like cute. the hemline dropped back down mm-hmm. from the 20s. Back to conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yep. sense. Um, it's just a reaction. Got but, chilly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah, but everyone feels a little bit more relaxed, probably because of prohibition. There's one fellow that's just like they—they're not all the way buttoned up. You know, mm-hmm. they have a few buttons off. They're not wearing undershirts. Yeah, um, it looks like pattern. There's more pattern now, mm-hmm. um, less fabulous fabrics. But then you're seeing it in like you're seeing prints at least mm-hmm. that would maybe hopefully help them feel happier. <laughs> I know during that time. You're seeing hats, but they're, I mean, you didn't really see a ton of hats. Yeah. I saw a lot of like headbands and headdresses like that in the twenties, but yeah. then you start to see some hats come back. In the and it looks like um, really center parts on the men, mm-hmm. center hair parts, mm-hmm. and then slicked back or hats. Mm-hmm. And less like yeah. tailored, tight, tailored suits. And uh-huh. and- yeah. Yep. They're probably more affordable to not have a perfect tailor, more off the rack, yeah. you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. One size fits all. That's more totally. like all of us today. None of us really, totally. not a lot of us go to a tailor, I don't think. Yep. Yeah. What's what? happening in music at this point? Um, it was like so. big band stuff was really huge. So the best like example of that, if you know what it is, like I always think of the notebook Yeah. and you know, like when she's getting yeah. engaged to the one guy and they're at that like club and there's yeah. like, you know, they have like mm-hmm. a woodwind section and like, there's like, you know, conductor leading it, but there's like drums and stuff like that. And you know, guitar, that's big band. So Duke Ellington, um, was a popular artist, big band artist. I don't know a ton of them because I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not huge into that, but that's, yeah, that's like kind of where music was. And yeah, live, um, big, huge live performances, big, big yeah. bands, right? Not yeah. little, not like little three bands or four on a stage. Yeah. yeah. It's like 30 people. Yeah. yeah. So my production cool part stuff. of a big band, Grandpa Harley, my dad's dad. That's awesome. Played the sax. Oh, no way. That's Played a foxy. few different instruments, but we have some really cool images from it. Mm-hmm. This is actually a really fun um, project for you guys. Go back in your family history and find pictures of your family from these eras. Like it's really, it's quite romantic mm-hmm. to just I like see that. them in that, in that place in that decade. That's awesome. Okay. 1930s. Um, that's when we see a little bit more modernism. Um, austerity quickly replaced art deco glamour. Most people no longer had money to spend on home furnishings. So minimalism became a necessity, not an aesthetic choice compared to homes in the twenties. Rooms were more open and spacious because people had fewer belongings. There were cleaner, less cluttered look with little to no art on the walls to make up for the sparsely furnished rooms. People hung floral and striped wallpapers and laid down hooked floral rugs. Um, to visually fill the space, colors became more subdued to the, um, to soothe the somber mood of the era and included soothing neutrals and cheerful pastels. Isn't like the theory of color too, like you see that changes as dependent on what's happening in the world. Yeah. You know, like in, in the art, in art deco, you see like a lot of rich tones, mm-hmm. like there is nothing that feels dry or muted or anything or grayed mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And then now it's we're like shiny to- and nothing's dull and mm-hmm. Everything's glamorous. Everything was a hero. And now, yeah, now much, much simpler. What feels almost normal, except for the architecture is still really stunning on this page yeah. um, that we're looking at. And I wonder if that was also like a product of just how long it took to create large oh, structures sure. like from, that would start possibly in the 20s or, you know, just like with that modernist. Yeah. Like, this is when the Guggenheim was completed. I think yeah. it was like 1939. I think it'd be interesting like to see though, when that building. started the plans and then how long the construction took. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. so much longer, probably a decade. Idea originated, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but falling water right. too. Was mm-hmm. like also late thirties. So anyway, a lot of really like modern movements um, forward, which is incredible. That is incredible. Okay. 1940s. 1940s. What a, what a decade. Oh man. The 1940s were defined by World War II, the Holocaust, atomic bombs, and the beginning of the Cold War. War. Cold War. My mom was born in the 40s. Mm. When was your mom? Crazy. 45. Both my parents were. Yeah. So I think my mom and dad might be a decade younger than your folks. So they're 45 then 55. Yeah. Sorry. A decade younger than her folks. Yeah. The baby, I was a, sp- a surprise. Oh, okay. <laughs> surprise. Okay. Um, women were needed in the workforce to replace men who went to war and wartime production pulled the U.S. out of the Great Depression upon the return um, of the GI Bill entitled soldiers to a college education. World War II defined the 1940s. Hitler's forces swept through Europe. 
Um, there's like a lot of stuff here to unpack. Um, your heroes through the Pacific and here at home, our energy materials and industrial strength went into flight for the first half of the decade. Almost nothing happens in the interior design world because of the war factories stopped creating furniture and consumer goods and began making tanks, bullets and fighter planes to supply our troops. Even the creation of Fiesta dishware became to a halt. <laughs> Fiesta dishware. Um, so its manufacturer could shift resources to produce China for armed sources. When the war ended in 45, a new era began. The soldiers came home and they're ready to buy a house and start a family. Gatlin said, there's a huge boom in residential building while factories retooled from war production. A material shortage meant new houses were built small and at a low cost. Most homes built in the late 1940s had two bedrooms and averaged just under 1,000 feet. Wow. Oh. That's how you get like so the war crazy. houses that are just like stacked mm. was because of that boom. Wow. That is so crazy. You guys in world war two, like 35 million to 60 million were killed. Wow. That's such a gap because the statistics were so inexact because of the counts. Like there, there just wasn't a record probably. So, due to so depressing. Evil. Evil. And it looks like the war lasts about six years. Yeah. Almost exactly to the day. To 45. Yeah. That's so hard. You guys, we lived through a pandemic that lasted, you know, two, three-ish years. Yeah, Still going on, years. but we yeah. have cures now. Comfor comfortable in our homes. In our homes, yeah. In our loungewear that wasn't... Um, loungewear got up big. It didn't have Stop. to um, conform our figures to it. Yeah, the <laughs> amount of anxiety due to ambiguity, like that, you know, like what we've gone through versus... You know, mm -hmm. that generation is just vastly different. Like, I feel we're lucky. I know. You know? All those times, that, like your grandpa says, you know, I had to do this. I'm just going to be like, you're right. You had it a lot worse than I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. You know? For sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, they must really shake their heads at us. <laughs> no. Oh, Should we do fashion for the 1940s? Let's do it. Okay, so despite the hardship of the war, Fashion in the 40s still ruled as women everywhere embraced more utilitarian yet chic looks and Hollywood's golden age stars from Rita Hayworth to Catherine Hepburn dazzled these gorgeous gowns. Now we actually have heard these names. These are people we know. When it comes to 1940s fashion, Christian Dior was one of the most influential designers thanks to his groundbreaking new silhouette, which redefined women's post-war style and revived France's fashion industry after a difficult few years. The collection featuring gorgeous full skirts and waist cinching jackets, sounds like the 50s, huh? Was Dior's first look and became forever known as quote unquote new look. After Harper's Bazaar editor um, Carmel Snow said in 1947, it's such a new look, end quote. <laughs> Imagine if every designer would knock together something like this for their first debut. <laughs> but even like luxury and designers and things probably finally had, um, I don't know, an audience. Yeah. Because before it was just like, did well, this thing, you know, communication like, was growing. So, yeah. you know, there's publications and there's right. Yeah. You know, like there's we're talking about radio. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it like that was, so the war ends in 45 mm -hmm. and this Christian Dior suit debuts, um, and is commented on in the magazine in 1947. So, um, I think people She's are such a looker. People are finally ready to maybe start to adopt things and think more about fashion and maybe start to invest in fashion again, or at least the wealthy are. Yeah. So I wonder when Christian Dior was born, but that's interesting. That's when it like caught fire and um, we finally had this really beautiful look. Also like you see like the men coming back from war and the women all dressed really beautifully trying to catch a soldier's attention and some of that imagery is just so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Christian Dior, was that her birthday in 1905 or is that when the brand was born? I think it was when she was born or he was born. Um, Dior was born on January 21st, 1905. Okay. It's so his birthday. Oh my goodness. Happy birthday, Christian Dior. Um, thanks for dressing the women so beautifully. Yeah. What a gorgeous snapshot of this woman and that silhouette. And the women just really dressed like women, you know, they put in the time and the effort and they had the entire look, you know, head to toe, soup to nuts. They left nothing out, including gloves. You know what I mean? That's just beautiful. The long pleats on the men's, um, you know, their clothes. And this is actually a lot of it starting to look a little bit more like Elvis. 
Mm-hmm. I think the silhouettes of the, the hairstyles yeah. and uh-huh, the higher waisted pants and the pleats and the drapiness of the pant. Women aren't really like casualing down except for the fact that probably more pants were being introduced as an option. Yeah. Um, Amongst really, all of these, I'm only seeing one pair of pants, but maybe she's already a married lady and already got her soldier, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. What was happening architecturally in the 1940s? Okay. Yeah. This was the beginning of the mid-century like movement, modern movement um, started to take root in the 1940s, but it didn't flourish until after the end of world war II, which was in 45 art deco and art nouveau were still popular in the first half of the 1940s. Um, this is fun. Chinoiserie, which is kind of an, an Asian influence um, of ornamentation might've been a more 19th century fad, but it made a strong comeback in the 1930s and forties. And its presence continued well into the 40s, especially as international travel and trade opened up post-war years. Yeah, so People are finally starting to be able to travel. Yeah. These years. Um, home design styles in the 40s straddled the 20th century. On the one hand, kitchens were still fairly small. Linoleum was still widely used as a floor covering. Colors often hovered in the range of pastels. Um, shapes like scallops, sweeps, and curves were common. Unfinished pine was a favored, inexpensive wood often used for kitchen cabinets. These were touches that harkened back to an earlier, more innocent age before the war. Mm-hmm. Probably still recovering, mm-hmm. you know? Pine's always been affordable. Yeah. Like you think about people that couldn't afford a coffin, always got mm-hmm. buried in a pine box, you know? Yeah. Um, the Bauhaus inspired modern movement and streamlined design were making an impact. Interior colors of that time were soft and dusty with creamy yellows, blued gray, soft pinks, and accents in deep forest green and burgundy. Sounds like the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think this is the time too, that we have a second image in here that you see, um, Jess and Corey that's in Palm Springs. So we're starting to see kind oh, of an influx since Hollywood mm-hmm. is finally like being become a thing. Uh-huh. We're starting to see like, you know, Hollywood kind of yeah. into the Palm Springs movement, which obviously is a huge mid-century. Yeah. And I feel like it's still like still stuck in that capsule, which is why everybody just loves it. And it's so celebrated. Yeah. yeah. It's an escape. Yeah. For sure. And it stayed yeah. pure to what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Okay, guys, we are going to um, catch you on the next one for the 1950s through today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this is as fun for you as it is for us. I think it's important for those of us that love design to be informed about where it came from and how we got here and what influences us. And we'll help you even better predict what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And a real gratitude. No, no, I, Total I gratitude. gratitude. Yeah. And hopefully we want to make you sit down with your parents and grandparents for some story time and understand kind of how they were affected through these decades and what their lives were like and what they wore and what their favorite memory of their dress was or whatnot, because it just helps us appreciate so much. All right. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 